Every person complains. Some people complain more than others, but all people complain from time to time. And humanly speaking, this makes sense because incompetence is everywhere. And even the most competent of people sometimes make mistakes. And even the most compassionate of people can be uh, inconsiderate if they should happen to get very stressed out or tired. And as often happens to pastors preparing to preach a passage, I find myself just complaining to the max all week, just an inordinate amount of complaining, and there's no excuse for it, especially because I'm going through this passage to preach it. It is inappropriate when God's people who have experienced, experienced his amazing grace through his faithfulness and who know his strong, life-changing love to allow the common failures of people and the thorns and thistles of our environment. That is this way because of the initial rebellion against God. If we allow this to drive us to despair and complain against the God who has promised to always be with us and always provide for our needs. I've given you some references to that. And I wrote this, as I said, after going through a week when I realized how I was just like the Israelites and complained over so many things that really weren't that big of a deal. Um, So um, throughout the Gospels, and I've given you some references, Jesus challenges the people. And I've said before that phrase, the people, means Israel. And I gave you three Psalms, and there's more where that specifically means Israel. Jesus challenges them to trust God in everything as evidence that they do indeed have a good and giving heart by the grace of God. And several passages in the New Testament prohibit followers of Jesus from complaining because it makes them unchristlike. Again, I've given you three passages. If you're hearing, you have the sermon outline. Some of these passages um, point us back to the Israelites in the passage that we heard, who, when they were hungry, forgot the 11 miracles which God had delivered them from hard service in Egypt. So they grumbled against him in their ingratitude, or I had originally written ungratefulness, which I don't know if that's a word. So uh, our Exodus passage divides into two big halves, each with two sections, and we will give the highlights and then dig into the details. So 190 miles south of where they crossed the Red Sea, they murmur against Moses and Aaron. That's the first three verses. And looking at it now word by word, then the congregation of Israel 
journeyed from Elim to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they went out from Egypt. Now, if you get out a map in the back of your Bible, you can see this is extremely slow progress, okay? They're out about 45 days, and they've only gone 190 miles. Through the division, that's about four miles a day. Now, back in the day when people walked everywhere, it was easy to walk 20 or 30 miles a day. What were some of the reasons for this slow progress? Well, they had a lot of children and animals with them, and they had limited resources. Now, Elim means palms, so they were halfway between palms. They were in the desert of Sin, which means thorny. And and I'm sure this isn't cacti in the Middle East, but you're not going to get lush green vegetation there. It was thorny the whole way. Everything around them was thorny. And Mount Sinai, where God gave um, the, the, the Torah to Moses, that means a thorny place. So they've left kind of the paradise of Elim, and things are getting tough. And we're told then all the congregation of the sons of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And as I looked at a Bible dictionary, there's three synonyms here, and various translations use them all, and they're all accurate. Murmur, grumble, complain. The word has all of these meanings, And it's kind of typical of human nature. Uh, I'm probably not alone in my complaining this week. And then the sons of Israel said to them, Moses and Aaron, would that we had surely died in the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of flesh and ate bread to the full because you have brought us to this wilderness to kill all this assembly and hunger. Now, this is what stress and despair will do to human beings. Let's think about what they said and the way they were reasoning things out at this time. It was not that way in Egypt. They just didn't sit around eating banquets all the time. They were under hard labor and strict rations. Okay, so what they're saying is, is just a total misconstruing of what happened. But it's kind of interesting that they say, would that Yahweh had taken us to himself where we were, rather than having to go to him out here where things are really horrible right now. So in their emotions, their emotional state, um, their extreme emotional um, pressure, They are distorting reality by being totally irrational. And now the other half of the first scene here, the first part of our passage, then Yahweh tells Moses he will rain bread from heaven for the people. And Moses tells the people. So again, then Yahweh said, And I love the original language. The NIV edits out all these colorful, wonderful words. Behold, I am raining bread for you from heaven. And the people will go out and gather the daily portion, we could say daily bread, that I will prove them 
if they will walk in my Torah or not. And now let's um, think about this. Uh, we've been in the Psalms, and there's a very poetic phrase. Yahweh declares, he will provide bread from heaven, ask the rain for his people every day, and then his people will go out to gather the bread every day. And why is he telling them this? So that he will test them to see whether they will choose to live by his instruction or not. There's always two choices before us. What will we do? Now, he is yet to speak all of his instruction to his people through Moses. He will do that later on uh, at the top of Mount Sinai. Uh, It'll come four chapters later. But then he clarifies things a little bit and amends his original statement And it is on the sixth day when they prepared what they will bring in, it will be twice what they gather day by day. Well, what's he doing here? On the sixth day, God is saying that he will provide twice as much bread to all his people so they can rest on the seventh day. Now, they haven't got the specific commandment yet, but it's coming. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening, you all will know that Yahweh brought you out of Egypt. And in morning, you will have seen the glory of Yahweh in that he heard your murmurings against Yahweh. And what are we that you grumble against us? I'm just going to say personally, that was kind of convicting to me because I was excusing myself, oh, I'm just complaining about the incompetence of people. And I forgot that God is sovereign. And if I complain against anything that happens in my life, I am complaining against him. And and this opened up my eyes. So just 45 days out from their deliverance in Egypt, where they had clearly seen the glory of God in the 10 plagues and the dividing of the Red Sea. They'd forgotten all of this. A month and a half, they forgot. And so he says, you will now see my glory again. You didn't get enough the first time. And this is amazing because even though they're grumbling and murmuring, To Moses and Aaron, as I already said, this taught me in reality, they were complaining against God. And this is not unusual due to typical human nature. People complain. Then Moses said, when Yahweh gives you flesh to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full, because he has heard the murmurings, which you are murmuring against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against Yahweh. So we're getting a little bit more detail and some repetition. Okay, so his very first gracious act, in spite of their complaining, God will give them meat to eat in the evening. And then he will double down the following morning by graciously giving them their daily bread. 
think about this. What grace. Uh, We'll sing Amazing Grace in two weeks, but we could have sung it this morning. What grace. They deserve extreme discipline for their over-the-top complaining. But as the Apostle Paul said, because of his goodness, God leads his people to repentance. They have an opportunity to repent here. And he does this even though his people complain. Second part, when Aaron spoke to the congregation, the glory of God appeared in a cloud to Moses. And the next morning, bread from Yahweh was on the ground. And we'll bring in the gospel passage as we go through this part. So first of all, the glory of Yahweh appeared and he spoke and he says, I have heard the murmurings, but at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Using the same phrase that the complaining people had said to him, we were filled with bread in Egypt. And he's saying, I can fill you with bread here. You don't need to go back to Egypt. So let's look at it in detail. Then Moses said to Aaron, you must say to the congregation of Israel, you all must come near before Yahweh because he's heard your murmurings. So again, we heard this last week. Moses is still a little uncomfortable leading over a million of God's people. So God made it very clear that Aaron would speak for him what Moses heard from him. And now it talks about his glory in a cloud. And this idea of the glory cloud of God happens a lot. Now, we didn't. We skipped over from Moses' calling to to this point in time after they had been delivered. But if you go back to Exodus 13, he's already leading them by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. So they knew about God being in a cloud. And if you remember when Jesus went up on a mountain with the three men of his inner circle, all of a sudden a cloud came over them, the glory cloud of God, and God spoke when his son, the Savior, was transfigured. And now he's showing his glory in the cloud of his presence. All right, let's bring it forth, forward all the way to where we are here this morning in this room. We need to grow deeper in Jesus, the Savior, and be accepting of the sharing of his cross to fully share in his glory when he comes again. But until then... He has promised, he has given his word all the way back in the days of Moses and Aaron and when he was on earth and even to now, God provides in his glory and I can add to his glory. And then Yahweh said to Moses, I've heard the murmurings of the sons of Israel. Thou must say to them at twilight, you all will eat flesh and in the morning you all will be filled with bread And you all will have known that I am Yahweh, your God. So to Moses, remember, God always spoke to Moses first. 
and then it got relayed for a while. He wants his people to know he will graciously give them both creature flesh, turned out to be quail, and bread, both and. And once again, he's responding to what he has heard of their grumbling, complaining against him. It seems no matter how much God does for his people, it is all too common that people complain. (sighs) But he says, after he graciously provides for their needs and fully satisfies their hunger, they will know because of him because of the experience that they will have from being fed. They will know he is their covenant God. And if you remember, Jesus also prayed in his chapter-long prayer in the end of John's gospel, this is eternal life, to know God and to know the one who he sent. So the important thing is to have an experiential knowledge of God. Not just in the head, not even just in the heart, but to experience who he is in his goodness every day. And now our last section is we're told quails came in the evening and in the morning, small round flakes on the ground, bread Yahweh had given them. And all of this is foreshadowing, foreshadowing Jesus, the living bread. So let's go through these last um, few verses here. Then it was in the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew laying round about the camp. So first, Yahweh fed them with the flesh of birds. Now, I always get this confused because I know what happens later in the Torah, the five books of Moses. They were well into their 40 years. They were getting to the point where they would eventually cross the Jordan. And if you remember, they grumbled again like crazy. And the Lord sent them quail. But this time we're told that it so displeased the Lord that while the flesh was still between their teeth, many of them were struck down with a plague and died. So just like Moses, when he struck the rock the second time and couldn't go into the promised land, God's grace, um, we just saying it has no limit, but sometimes his grace will be discipline and we don't want discipline. Well, after they had slept through the night, they found a strange dew had settled on the ground of their wilderness overnight camp. And when the dew had gone up, behold, (laughs) on the face of the wilderness, a thin, being a flaking thing, uh, thin as white hair, like frost on the ground. And I read a couple articles on the internet interpreting this very passage and explaining it. And when the Israelites saw it, they said, each one to his brother, what is it? Because they did not know what it was. Then Moses said to them, it is the bread which Yahweh has given to you all to eat. 
Okay. So the flakes were like the thin frost that appears on ground vegetation, grass or whatever is there, when the air temperature falls to freezing overnight, as it will often do in the desert. Debbie lived in Phoenix for a long time, and she said the days got hotter than anything, but the nights could get cold out there. And in their ignorance, they ask each other, man who? Which got translated into English, Manu, but literally it is what it. And they didn't need the is in their language, but they're saying, what is it? What is it? What is it? Well, Moses answered their question by telling them it was bread provided from heaven by their covenant God. Again, we see God's Grace. Thank God for his grace. Now let's jump up to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, which is a real heavy and awesome chapter. There's a lot in there, but we're going to look at what he was saying in our passage. We heard Jesus say emphatically, he says, I, I am. The living bread, which has come down from heaven. And if any man may eat of this bread, he will live into eternity. And the bread, which I will emphatically give. Again, I, I will give. It um, is for the life. Okay. It is the life of the world. His flesh is bread, the life of the world. By this, he means that his death for our sins will give life to all who will receive it in faith, by faith. Again, we all need to grow deeper in our knowing of the Savior, Jesus, to accept the sharing of his cross to fully share in his glory when he comes again. And I think of the end of Galatians 6. And then in verse 16, this is the thing Yahweh has commanded. You all must gather of it, every man, to what he can eat. An omer, which would be about two quarts, a piece according to the number of souls, each of whom is in his tent. So here's some guidelines for gathering it. Now think about it. Two quarts of bread. Uh, if I'm right, I was thinking about it this morning. That's almost two loaves of bread. Um, that is very much enough to be daily bread that people need. And then just after this, in the last verse, verse 18, we're told he had no excess having gathered much. And He few having had no lack. God gave everybody just exactly what they needed if they followed his guidelines. And so to bring it back to us, uh, to finish up what this passage teaches, we must pray for grace to always remember and be strengthened by the truth that God always provides all we need. So we will be less prone to complain. Selah. Let's think about that. And now to pull everything together, 
45 days after the Israelites praised God for miraculously bringing them through the Red Sea on dry ground, they continually complained to him about their hunger. And they wanted to turn back to serve the Egyptians. But then Yahweh chastised them through Moses and Aaron and miraculously and graciously provided for them with a daily ration of bread every morning with the exception of twice as much on the last day of the week or the the sixth day of the week so that on the seventh day of the week they wouldn't have to gather. They had enough. Then 1,500 years later, Jesus came as the living bread from heaven. But sadly still, people complain. 